Hey, hey, Rebels. Today we are going into the dark side. The dark side of online business. This is the podcast that I co-host with Maggie Patterson called Duped. And during this podcast, Maggie and I have a fascinating conversation about what I call the bro marketing binary. Either you're all bro or you're not bro at all. And that, my friends, is just not true. So if you haven't checked out this episode of Duped, please do so. And you can find all things Duped at duped.com online. Also, if you are looking for an alternative to bro marketing, I do have a new free training out called the Bro Marketing Breakdown, which I break down why bro marketing works and what the alternative is. And you can get that at bro.marketing. Yes, that is the URL, bro.marketing. Enjoy this episode of Duped and I'll be back in your ears next week. It's easy to think I'm not like them. I would never knowingly manipulate people into buying from me. I'm not like those bros, but it's way more complicated than that. It's not a bro marketing binary. What if bro marketing is the air we breathe online? You may not look like a bro, but that does not mean the bro marketing isn't lurking in your business. And that is exactly what we are diving into in this episode of Duped. Let's do it. Welcome to Duped a limited series podcast which explores the dark side of online business. If you've ever felt like you've been duped by a celebrity entrepreneur or coach or watched with wonderment while people do downright dirty things to grow their business, this is the show for you. I'm Dr. Michelle Mazur. And I'm Maggie Patterson. And we're two seasoned communications pros. And we've got a lot of questions about the practices, strategies, and tactics that are all too common in online business. In Duped, we're going to pack all of it with a focus on why it's happening, what we need to know about it, and more importantly, what each of us can do about it. Let's do it. What is bro marketing? I think it's really important to define this term because it's thrown around so much in online business. And the way that I define bro marketing, it is the use of psychological triggers. Think of Robert Cialdini's book, Influence, and his weapons of influence. So scarcity, reciprocity, authority, all of those, plus other persuasive hacks. And these weapons and hacks have the goal of shutting down critical thinking without our consent most of the time. And the end goal is just to sell more products through manipulation and coercion. Essentially, bro marketing is a very specific type of messaging. And we see it all the time in online business because this is the messaging that relies on swipes and formulas and templates to increase conversion with psychological trickery. Uh, Michelle, can I just stop you for a second? Sure. Is this all those experts in sales psychology? Is this what they're focused on? Psychological trickery? Yes. Yes. (laughs) You know how much I love people on the internet who claim to be experts in sales psychology based on nothing. I know, based on I have some swipes that I probably swiped from somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's what this is how this episode's gonna be we're a little fired up we are fired up oh my gosh <laughs> so i mean so that really shows that this type of marketing is everywhere and i am trained in persuasion i taught persuasion at the university level and i'll never forget the first time i was exposed to bro marketing i was brand new to business and i signed up for a celebrity entrepreneur's three-part video series launch and i know i mean i didn't know any better right didn't know i just didn't know maggie And I sat down to watch the first video and he started advocating for manufacturing authority. And he said something like, you know, it's easy to be worried that you aren't really an expert or you're not an authority in the thing you want to build your business around. Don't worry about it. You can manufacture authority by using a rags to riches story. And in my head, I'm like, red light, red light, sirens, like what the heck is going on here? Like that is so unethical. But then the other part of me was like, well, you know, he is making all of this cash. So maybe he has something worthy to say. And I didn't I didn't sign up for that course. I'll be happy to tell you, but I'll never forget that moment. So Maggie, do you remember the first time you thought, hmm, something is just not right here with how someone was teaching you marketing? So, you know, I thought a lot about this and I feel like this has been the feeling I have had since day one because I have a very traditional marketing background and, you know, had spent years in corporate marketing. And the funniest one of these is I, it was the big launch period for a program that shall remain, remain nameless that I took way back in 2013. And I remember looking at the affiliate marketing mm. and I was one of the only people in the history of that program. I think that bought with a bonus because I was convinced the bonuses were a scam. And then I found out it was actually a thing people did. And I was like, oh, this is sketchy. And like from that second on, it was like this moment of just like, I remember going through all these bonuses and being like, this is too good to be true. And that's been my feelings ever since then. As I look at how marketing is being done and the promises and this will this will do this. And I'm like, "Mm, this is too good to be true. Because if I, with my years of marketing experience, can't pull this off, who, how is some brand new baby marketer going to do this? They're not. It's a lie. Uh-huh. It's a lie. <laughs> I know. It's the bait and switch again, right? <laughs> oh, and I think what's what's so interesting is that we have these moments of like, ooh, something is not right here. And, you know, in my case, lucky for me, I decided, no, I just, this is not aligned. But so many people ignore that red flag that comes up for them. Yeah, and then they're me and they buy a big name program without any affiliate bonuses. <laughs> womp womp. No, I'm kidding. Someone who likes a bargain that's still painful to think about. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. And I think this really sets us up for this bro marketing binary because what I hear when I see people talk about bro marketing, they tend to think, well, you know, 
I'm a woman, I have a vagina, I can't be a bro marketer. And it's so easy to think like, it's them, it's not me. I'm not a bro marketer. I can just take a pass here. I have no responsibility in how I market my business or who I've learned it from because I'm not one of them. And Maggie, when you think of a stereotypical bro marketer, what do you think of? Uh, there's a baseball hat. Yes. And a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. Take your pick of, you know, high-end luxury cars. Yes. Um, I, I do do think there's some Teslas in the mix now. Oh, yes. Teslas are very environmentally big. conscious. Um, there's often a luxury home that's not theirs. and mm-hmm. Or a yacht. Sometimes there's a yacht. The yacht ones really make me laugh because I'm like, no one believes you bought this yacht. Come on. Oh, yeah. Or a private jet. <laughs> yes. And, you know, if they're not in a baseball hat, they're in a suit. And it's very like this very toxic alpha male energy. And I think that's what we've been trained to think of as the stereotypical bro marketer. I know that's what I thought for a long time. I was like, oh, this person's fine. It's not this scary dude lying on a Lamborghini and all his money. Exactly, exactly. It's so easy to look at that stereotype and be like, oh, well, this person is safe or this could never be me. And I that is the binary, the one and the zero. I don't look or behave in that hyper-masculine, toxic way. So I don't do any bro marketing. And then we don't have to do any analysis. And psychologists Matthew Fisher and Frank Keel call this binary bias. It's how we distort complex issues into two categories without realizing that they may exist on a continuum. And Adam Grant in his book, Think Again, says we do this in order to find clarity and closure. So we can look at the bros and think, oh, that isn't me. So I can just move on from this conversation. And This is so applicable to bro marketing. With everything in online marketing, there is nuance and complexity. You may not look like a bro marketer, but if you've ever, ever, ever taken an online course or program, you've most likely have learned some bro marketing tactics. And that's because bro marketing is not a person. It is not a person at all. I always say that it's a wink and the nod to the patriarchy and that top-down authority. So bro, bro marketing isn't a person, it's a style of marketing. And it's everywhere in online business. And Maggie and I have been talking about four years about how it's the air we breathe and the water we drink in online business. Michelle, can I just stop you right there? Can yes. we just like, I just want us to like showcase how long we've been talking about this. Um, Cause I know you and I have this conversation <laughs> in the DMs and we did promise a little behind the scenes. So when was the first time you can, you know, in writing reference bro marketing? I did a Google search and it was 2015 and I actually had bro marketing in quotes. Yeah. So I believe mine was 2014, 2015. And I know because you and I were working together at the time. I remember Mm -hmm. that. And we were talking about this quite often. And I I used to call it dude bro marketing back then, but it's still the same. Yeah. (laughs) Same. Same thing. Yep. (laughs) We share a brain. But yeah, yeah, we've been in this fight for a very, very long time talking about these concepts. 
which is why all of the kids who have arrived here in 2021 thinking they invented this concept, they need to take a seat. Yes, Just saying, they haven't. And this that actually is mad. <laughs> And that actually brings me to something I wanted to ask you about, because you've created these six celebrity entrepreneur archetypes, and one is definitely the bro. But how do you see bro marketing tactics show up for some of the other ones? Like I'm thinking especially of the the best friend next door. Yeah, so I'm in the, and in the process of rebooting these for 2021, and it'll probably be closely timed to this episode when it goes live. But I think there's kind of two interesting ones to really watch for is the reason I created the Celebrity Entrepreneur Archetypes is because I was very tired of the conversation we we're having today, where people are like, well, no, they couldn't be a bro marketer. They're not a bro. And I'm like, but they're a babe. <laughs> same difference and it's not about the gender it's not about um you know any of that it really comes down to these characteristics and i think two of the most interesting ones are kind of what i would call the counterpart of the bro the babe um mm -hmm. and i'm trying i am trying my best to degender this language because i don't use gendered language in anything else i do whereas i have the bro yeah. and the babe and i'm trying to figure that one out Hopefully I'll get there. Um, little inner workings of Maggie's brain and business. But I think the babe is equally as problematic because they learned it all from the bros and they just repackaged it in a photo shoot in Paris in front of the Eiffel Tower. They use mm -hmm. all the same trappings. They use all the same things day in, day out. And I think as an industry, we've become much more savvy and much more adept at recognizing both the bros and the babes. But what we don't recognize are the other ones. Things like the BFF next door, which really, you know, pulls on creative, uh, creative curated vulnerability, relatability. Um, <clears throat> Rachel Hollis. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it really, I think we look at someone and we think, oh, they're like us. They must be ethical. They must be good people. When really it's part of the facade. There's another mm -hmm. one I also refer to, the Rebel Creative, which Full confession, if I was a celebrity entrepreneur, I would try to slot myself in there. Oh, that's where I would be too, girl. <laughs> I'm like, oh, screw the rules. But I mean, there's all these different things. It's the same stuff. It's just in a different package. Maybe they have purple hair and a leather jacket instead of a photo shoot at the Eiffel Tower. But if the tactics are there, they're a celebrity entrepreneur, full stop. So I think this is where we need to get a lot smarter and a lot more critical about like, it's not about the person or the brand or the package. It's about what's happening in terms of the inside of their business. How do they market? How do they sell? How do they serve? Mm -hmm. And I think we need to escape that binary of looking at it like, oh, you're either this or you're not this when these tactics actually exist on a continuum. Mm -hmm. And we and, and instead of being like, oh, yeah, I couldn't be that it's really about going inward and looking at how these tactics might be showing up up in your business, because most likely they are in some way, it might be minor, it might be super major, but it's probably somewhere in there because that is how we are taught to market online. And with that, that really brings us to like, what can we do about it? What are the solutions to the bro marketing 
binary? How do we de-bro our businesses? And I think it's important to first discuss about how we got here. And I read this fascinating concept in Adam Grant's book, Think Again, and he discussed a concept called idea cults. And I fell in love with this immediately because cults, like you, Maggie, is one of my interests. And I feel like online business is one giant idea cult. And Grant defines an idea cult in a very cheeky way, but it brings home the point as groups that stir up a batch of oversimplified intellectual Kool-Aid and recruit followers to serve it widely. So they can create a course of regurgitated information, and then they recruit affiliates and fast customers to serve it up to the masses. Can I just make a distinction here? And this is based, like ripped from the headlines. I see people constantly talking about this as an online coaching problem. It's not a coaching Mm, It's not. online business it's not just about coaching it's about the masterminds it's about the courses and this is like on my literal last nerve so this is not we're not calling out coaches this idea cult here is all of it all of mm-hmm. it <laughs> yeah i mean it really it's anything that tells you there is one way to do something and there is a leader of that saying no this is the only way to do this and all other ways are bad because that's what adam grant says is like the test for understanding if you're in an idea cult or not and i think looking at it as a cult is is a little bit helpful. I know this is coming up in our next episode because Steve Hassan, who is the creator of the Byte model and has a book called The Cult of Trump, which I just read, he argues that instilling phobias is integral to the cult mindset. And what's really interesting here is the phobia that these celebrity entrepreneurs instill in each and every one of us is if you don't market this way, you won't make any money. And honestly, anytime I teach anything about bro marketing or my bro marketing overthrow workshop, this is the number one fear people have. I'm never going to make any money again if I don't market this way. That's the phobia. And frankly, it's just not true. And I know we're going to get there in a minute. But first, but Maggie, what do you think of idea cults? I am completely enamored with this concept. (laughs) And I, I actually did a bunch of research related to this with Adam Grant. And I think one thing that really stood out to me in the context of online business, the difference of between a cult and a culture is the ability to have a dissenting opinion. Mm, Yeah. Right. Like, like let that's everyone let that sink in for a minute. I was like, and that is the problem with so much of what's happening in online business that gives it that culty vibes, which we're going to talk about next episode, because there's not room for another solution. There's not room for to question their leader. There's just not room for these things. And um, if you're new to the bite model, buckle up because we're going all bite model all the time next episode. 
<laughs> I'm really excited. Like, it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. And I mean, we see that in like manifestations of like the contract that people sign when they join these programs or courses where there's a non-disparagement clause. Like you can't say anything publicly about the other, about the course or the program that's negative. Like that negative information isn't out of there and that really controls information. Yeah. And I think the non-disparagement clause, like, I I mean, I've done a ton of interviews and everything and people will not go on the record. This is why this story is not being, you know, broken wide open. Like it is, you know, people are writing about cults, they're writing about MLMs. The reason they're not writing about online business and they're not doing these mainstream news stories on it is because there's nothing that can be substantiated because of the non-disparagement. So for us as consumers, like maybe read that agreement before you sign it. Like I have everyone in my program sign an agreement and it talks about our policy for grievances and it doesn't include you never can talk about this. It's more like, hey, let's try to resolve this amicably first. Not I'm going to gag you for all eternity. Like, you know, when I set up a few minutes ago, like a program I took in 2013, it's because I'm under non-disparagement. Yeah, and you- I am. I'm under so many non-disparagement clauses, and I wasn't wise to this at the time. I, I mean, you take anything away from this episode, read the damn fine print, people. Oh my gosh, yes, because that is what is going to get you in the end. <laughs> okay, so our listeners and you and I may have ascribed to ideal cults from time to time in online uh-huh. business. So let's talk about how do we escape the bro marketing cult. And for me, one of the things that is so important is that you deal with your business first. This isn't gotcha or calling other people out or, hey, look at what so-and-so's doing. That's unethical. They shouldn't be doing it that way. That is not a helpful conversation because it has nothing to do with solutions. It might be great for views and clicks, but really that type of gotcha culture makes a lot of people afraid to even market. Apparently I have a lot to say about this. <laughs> it makes it like it makes people are afraid to market because oh my gosh, what if I make a mistake and I do something that's not ethical, then I'm like outed and bullied for the rest of my life. And so call, calling people out and saying like look at this person isn't helpful. What we should do is take our fingers and point them at ourselves because we need to look at our own businesses and see how we are complacent. It's easy to complain and sensationalize the harm that's being done. But before we go public, we need to look at how we are showing up to market and sell in our own business and seeing if anything is out of alignment, integrity that goes against our own ethics and figure out solutions to that before we point at everyone else. Oh my God. I can literally (laughs) write a dissertation on how I feel about this. Um, And I think this is why I talk so much. And I know you have Michelle about owning your teachers and how you may be Mm -hmm. sit in bro marketing, because here's the thing. I'm not going to sit here today and pretend I was never part of this. 100% was. And this is an undoing and unspooling process. And, you know, what you said a minute ago, like pointing fingers is really easy, but actually doing the work to fix your own business takes commitment. This is not going to be fast. 
This is not going to be easy. And I think as an industry, what I see and it, this actually brings me a great deal of annoyance and pain on the regular because I see people, especially at the celebrity entrepreneur level, you know, trying, quote, trying to do better, but there's never been any acknowledgement of the harm they've done. They've never, um, acknowledge that they have stood on their unearned privilege. They have ignored the fact of the advantages of that privilege. And it's pretty, it's pretty shifty. And I think one thing that really Mm -hmm. kind of interesting, and um, you might have seen this, I shared this yesterday. um, There's a gossip blogger I have followed for years, Lainey. Mm -hmm. And she, she has been one of the most, um, the biggest teachers for me around this because she has done the work to own the harm she has done. She has sat in rooms and apologized to people. She has, and she's done this very publicly. She didn't just, you know, dirty delete all the posts on her things that said pretty horrible things that were socially acceptable back in 2012. She's put warnings on them. So, you know, there is a record of her role within that industry and the harm she has done and she's done the work to repair it and i think that that's what i want to see more of not saying everyone needs to get out there um air their dirty laundry but maybe like look at what your role in this and like stop pointing the fingers for a few minutes and figure out what you need to do to repair what you're doing and like this podcast is part of my reparations i show up all the Mm. time talking about this because i know that i helped People who were totally unethical make more money and probably swindle money out of people with my amazing writing. So this is part of my um, rehabilitation journey. Yeah. And I mean, and owning that it's not, you're just not bypassing like who your teachers were. You talk and you and I've both talked about like, Hey, these are the people that I've learned from. I've learned from people like Amy Porterfield and Erica Learmark and Tara McMullen. And I'm not saying anything about their ethics and how I think about their marketing, but it's just the fact that I'm transparent and letting you know that these people influenced how I do business. And yeah, I, I've never followed anyone's step-by-step formula correctly. So, <laughs> but at least, you know, owning that instead of erasing it and pretending like, oh, I, I'm so above all of this. I'm so much better than everyone else. And I think the other thing is when we're doing this introspection of like, okay, where am I complicit and what things need to change is that we have to show a lot of compassion towards ourselves and forgive ourselves. Because when we're taught like this is the only way to do something, it's so easy to get sucked in and not see any of the solutions or any of the alternatives or even to get creative and think of your own alternatives. And so you do what you're told. And so taking you can take ownership of that, but do it with lots of compassion and forgiveness towards yourself because now you know better and you can do better. So, you know, the next part of this in terms of the solutions is like you've dealt with your own business. I think part of this is this unspooling or this unraveling process, if you will, is really challenging your beliefs. So I think one of the biggest things that Michelle called this out in terms of, you know, what is the belief within the ideal cult of online business is realize that you can make money and do marketing without all this psychological garbage. Because mm. I said it once, I will say it probably 5 million more times in my lifetime. The reality is this is not how marketing is done in the real world. All this nope. trickery 
is not the way marketing is done. And you know why I know? Because I do marketing all day long in the corporate world. Yeah. And I came out of market research in the corporate world. And I worked for like companies like Microsoft and General Mills. And you know what? They are not using bro marketing tactics to sell. The way we sell and market in the online world is more like a timeshare salesman. So (laughs) like 100%, it's exactly what it's like. And when you look at the bigger companies, you might not think like, oh, I don't really have anything in common with them. You know, there are these big multinational conglomerates or whatever. But if you look at the way they're marketing and they're making the arguments for their products, you can actually learn something. Because one of the things that has to be developed if you want to embrace an alternative to bro marketing is you need a different kind of messaging. Messaging is, I harp on this all the time, but messaging is the piece that we skip over all the time in online business because it's some work and experimentation and can be a little bit difficult, but it's worth it. And it does take time to develop and experiment. It is not the quick fix of like, here is a template, just use it. But if you're going to escape from this, your message and the words you use matter and they have power. And that also kind of brings me to this point of when we're doing this, because I've seen people make this mistake, they're like, oh, I don't want to do bro marketing. And so they strip everything out of their marketing to a point where like their message doesn't even make sense anymore. (laughs) And then they wonder like, how come, like, how come nothing is selling? It's like, because you went too fast. You have to go slow and detangle yourself from bro marketing bit by bit. And this is going to require critical thinking and also letting your gut be your guide. Because as Meg and I talked about earlier in the episode, we both knew that something was off, like our guts were screaming at us. So if 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 it feels off, it probably is. And so much of marketing and sales is weaponized in such a way that it's designed to foster fear and erode your self-trust. And, you know, finally, you know, once you've kind of done all this is like, and this is a simple yet complex one, stop, 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 stop supporting these bro-based businesses. Um, and yes, <laughs> the majority of what is out there is dripping in the bro. Um, so that your potential teachers before you push the buy button, don't take your friend's recommendation. Don't, don't take the shiny Instagram or Facebook ads. Like we talked about in the episode on ethical marketing, you cannot take anything at face value. And I don't want anyone to be paranoid, but a little a healthy dose of suspicion here and some research and sleuthing around will save you a lot of pain. Also, no, and I, I mean, I do feel like this is going to be a long game, but changes are coming in this industry but we cannot rely on a celebrity entrepreneur to do the right thing. Think about it. If it's working for them to make seven or eight or nine or 20 million figures, (laughs) I don't even know like what the figures thing is. So whatever number of figures, it works for them. So it's going to be slow for them to change. For them to divest from those tactics, it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of pressure. Mm. And this is why 
we need to focus on what we can control. And so much of the, and I know this is the same for you, so much of the work I'm focused on doing, and I know that you're doing, Michelle, is about us taking control of what we can take control of at a consumer level, because we need to get to know these tactics so we can look beyond this brand image of bro marketing. We can look beyond the shiny. We can do a better job of analyzing it because for things to really change, like if this makes your stomach turn, stop investing your time, your attention, and most of all your money, because money talks and that's what's going to get people to divest from this in the long term. Yeah. And every episode, I think all goes back to critical thinking, like when you're on that sales page, like asking yourself questions, is this what my business needs right now? Does this testimonial seem atypical? And like questioning each part of the sales page to make sure that you're making the right investment for your business. And I know that sounds like a lot of work, but it's worth it before you invest three, five, ten, twenty thousand dollars into a program. Critically thinking about what your business needs is always a key to stop supporting these pro driven businesses. <laughs> and remember that bro marketing is not a binary. It's a way of marketing an online business that we have been indoctrinated into. And there is an alternative. Don't buy into the phobia. There is an alternative that's just as profitable. All right, now it's time for my favorite part of the show, shit I've seen on the internet. So Maggie, what shit have you seen on the internet this week? Oh, so much. But I would like you to go first because yours ties into the idea cults and to politics because I need to pick between the two in my brain right now. Okay, I will definitely go first. So mine is a bro marketing example ripped from the headlines, this time from politics. And it comes from this New York Times report about how President Donald John Trump basically bilked his supporters out of around $122 million by using pre-checked boxes. <laughs> you know, like when you go to donate, there's always the box that's like, would you like to make this a monthly or a weekly donation? And then you check it. Well, Donald John Trump did something kind of evil, he checked that box for you. And not only that, he really hid the fact that when you check that box, you were making a monthly recurring donation because he would, you know, hide it in things like big bold font that talks about support Donald Trump's birthday by making it his best fundraising day ever. And then there'd be like fine print saying that this was going to be like double your donation. And the National Republican Congressional Committee took this a step further and they had a box that was pre-checked that said, we need to know we haven't lost you to the radical left. If you uncheck this box, we will have to tell Trump you're a defector and sided with the Dems. Check Whoa, this box. No! <laughs> I know. Check this box and we can win back the house and get Trump to run in 2024. And then in smaller print, it says, make this a monthly recurring donation. And what's fascinating about this is that it's attacking a person's identity. 
Like, I don't care if you're a Trump supporter or not, but if you were reading something that basically says, hey, we are going to rat you out to the leader that you are siding with the enemy and you no longer belong to us if you uncheck this box, it directly confronts your identity and your sense of belonging. And what's interesting, I used to see this all the time in the online world, like there'd be an opt-in pop-up and it would say like, hey, do you want to triple your business? And it would say like, yes, give it to me right now. And then the no would be like, no, I don't like money. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I hate those. Like the operator in me has always said, no, you can't do those. No, no, because it makes people feel terrible because it uh, it directly attacks the sense of who they are. And Cialdini calls this the principle of commitment and consistency that we want to stay consistent with our identities. So like, hey, if I'm a Trump supporter, then in order to be consistent with my identity, I need to leave that box checked whether or not it's going to cause a recurring donation that I can't afford to come out of my bank account. And in this New York Times article, there were all these stories about how people in hospice were built out of thousands of dollars that they didn't really have because they didn't read the fine print close enough. And if you're in hospice, like, the end is near. But they were so scared. (laughs) Like one story was they heard Rush Limbaugh saying that, you know, Trump had a really low fundraising month and that if we didn't donate to him, his campaign would be lost and everything would fall in the hands of the liberal Democrats and and dogs and cats are going to live together and everyone's going to die because (laughs) I'm just like, okay, lots of fear. And then they'd go and they donate, you know, as much as they could, like they were really donating until it hurt. But then these pre-checked boxes just kept taking their money. Oh my gosh, that is so, so wrong. Gross. (laughs) Like I have so many words, but I'm trying not to like unleash an entire tirade of swear words. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was a good one. This is gonna be a tough act to follow, but this is actually something you and I talked about a few weeks ago. And it's a trend I've been noticing more and more of. Is everyone ready in the online world in this world? And it's this thing of the, and I see it happening around different platforms. So I have built X platform, therefore you must follow me. So I'll I'll use, I'll see, I see it around Instagram and YouTube. I'll use a YouTube example. So Mm -hmm. I'm now the expert on YouTube and I have all these followers because, you know, I teach you YouTube. And it's this really weird circular thing that, Mm. They feed they they gain more followers because they're teaching that platform. So yes. you know it, it's an inflated thing. So anyone who's built a business around a platform, I think we need to ask better questions about because you know, oh, this works for me, it'll work for you. And it's like, well, I don't teach Instagram, I don't teach YouTube. So will it really work for me? Mm-hmm. Like and that I, is a good question. <laughs> and I see like the people that I have seen with the most um rapid growth on those platforms, it's because they're teaching the platform. Yeah, and I've seen people who teach the platform do this well, where they get they give very specific, like if you're a product-based business, they give very specific yes. product-based tips and advice. 
on how to grow a following on Instagram. And they also talk about the fact like, hey, you don't need 50,000 followers like I have in order to have a successful business. There's that other supporting message that you need to be looking for. Because yeah, if they're just building their audience because they talk about Instagram and that's their platform, yeah, it's going to be super easy for you to build a large following because people want that information. But if it's the whole, if I can do it, you can do it fallacy, <laughs> then and it just won't work for most people. Yeah, and it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I'm sure if my account tomorrow switched to being Instagram tips and tricks on Instagram, <laughs> that I yeah. would like double my following relatively quickly because people are desperate for this information. And I noticed it because I'm always like trying to stay on top of these things as a, you know, as a marketer and a business owner. And I noticed over time, like all these people that talked about Instagram, I'm like, their followings grow really fast and their claim to fame is built on uh, it's so do you see the circular logic here and why i'm calling mm -hmm. the shit i saw on the internet because it is so confusing and i am a marketer and i it's it's done my head in <laughs> yeah yeah once again it's like nuance and critical thinking like if you're i mean and there are lots of great instagram classes out there or youtube classes i don't want to say there aren't but no. asking yourself if their main argument they're making for why their process works is because it worked for me keep yes. going and find somebody else yeah and i think one of my um absolute favorite instagram kind of teachers mentors whatever you want to call her um she has like 6,000 people and she is sad. Like it's because my energy has been spent on growing my clients accounts. Mm. And I Love mean, it. I think as a marketer, like that appeals to me because that's definitely been my story. Like mm -hmm. my energy is focused towards my clients, not always towards my own stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, Well, I think both of these are a great example of how we can be duped online. Yes. So until next time, if you love the show, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And you know what would really help us reach more people? If you shared this show with a friend. Maggie and I are on a mission to reach more people with these conversations so they don't get duped. And as always, all of our show notes are located at Duped Online. So until next time, be safe out there, do your homework, do some critical thinking, and don't get duped. Thank you, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate or review us on Apple Podcasts so more people can find the show. To learn more about Duped, you can check out our website at duped.online for show notes and more details about your hosts.